Respect, belong, thrive. Would like to acknowledge the Wathaurong people of the Kulin Nation, on whose country our Geelong campus is located. We pay our respects to the traditional elders past, present and emerging, and thank First Nations peoples for their care and custodianship of the land. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Elsie Meehan. I am the Student Equity Evaluation and Partnerships Officer with Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Deakin. Today, I'll be talking to two of our students, Maddie and Zach, about their experiences navigating the supports offered by the university and also provide advice to those who are nervous to ask for what they need or put themselves out there. So welcome, Maddie and Zach. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can I begin by asking you to tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you're studying at Deakin? Hi, everyone. I'm Maddie. I'm a 20-year-old student at Deakin studying social work. I've recently transferred from psychology into social work. I'm from Ballarat, so not too far. Now living in Geelong, really enjoying it. Got a great bunch of friends here and everything. Yeah, and I've had a great um, experience with Deakin so far. I myself actually have cerebral palsy and I found Deakin to be a really inclusive and a uh, beautiful space to foster really good relationships and supports. So yeah, and I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you, Maddie. It is a pleasure to have you. And Zach, can I get you to introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, my name is Zach. I am from the border of New South Wales in Victoria, living in Chukamama originally for the majority of my life. I've recently moved down to Geelong uh, and I'm currently residing on res at the Warren Ponds campus where I was last year a resident and this year I am an RL. Um, I'm studying psychological science at Deakin at the moment, which I am thoroughly enjoying. Thank you both for that introduction. I do have a follow-up question. You've both come from rural or regional areas of Australia. Growing up, was university always something that you planned on going to? And what was it that made you choose Deakin? Zach, we might start with you. So I went to Echuca College back home. Uh, University was definitely something that was pushed by my parents, which I would always felt like it would be an amazing opportunity and something that I've always wanted to do. But it was definitely, the idea was definitely fostered by them. Uh, my decision for coming to Deakin came down to the facilities, I think. And the fact that Deakin, or Warren Ponds in particular, and Waterfront, the two campuses in Geelong, are located very close to the beach. And it's not... Geelong in particular isn't it's not Melbourne it's not a city it's not busy and bustling it's not going to take me 40 minutes to travel you know 30 meters but um, I still get like that city feel while still being in kind of country Victoria and not too far away from home either. I had a really similar experience to Zach in that I felt as though uh, my mum in particular was really encouraging me going to university. I also feel as though my um, high school was uh, very persistent on us getting good grades and doing our best to kind of pursue tertiary study, particularly university. 
I actually originally wanted to study drama or acting in Melbourne um, I, or even like if I was lucky enough, maybe somewhere like NIDA and WAPA, I really wanted to pursue acting. And, yeah, my mum very politely and kindly sat me down and just said, Maddie, I think that you need to do something else first or have a different base other than that kind of for more sustainability and stability. And she also, you know, pointed out that having a a chronic medical condition, unfortunately, is very expensive. And um, having, you know, a solid, stable income is quite pivotal in uh, maintaining, you know, your strength and your health and well-being. And I had uh, pondered studying social work or like counselling psychology before. Um, and I also, um, I actually called Deacon before I even put it in my preference in year 12 to ask what sort of supports they had for disabled students. I got some really good feedback. So that also encouraged me to go here. And I think I made a really, really good decision. Um, I'm really happy that I'm here. I've met just some beautiful, beautiful people. And I think that I'm really kind of fostering this really great life for myself. Yeah, so I think at the time I had a bit of resentment for my school and for my mum for kind of like not encouraging me to pursue my original kind of like acting goals. But yeah, I'm just so much happier. Even I had my first social work class only a few weeks ago because I transferred from psychology. And I I remember calling mum immediately after um, my class finished. I said to her, mum, this is where I'm meant to be. I am so happy. Like this, everything that they were saying, I just resonated with. I can just see myself in this career wholeheartedly. So thank you. So I think that all the good decisions were made and I'm really, really happy I'm here. Yeah. We have come here today to talk about some of the supports that Deacon offers. And Maddie, I am really intrigued to hear that that was one of the huge considerations that went into your decision to join Deacon. And also just that initiative that you took to make the contact and ask the questions at such a young age. How important was that conversation in deciding to enrol at Deakin? And just more generally for you both, what has been your experiences accessing supports while studying? Maddie, I might ask you to start with that initial phone call and what was that like? So during high school, I actually found um, up until VCE, it was uh, quite easy to get the supports I needed. Um, we had a division at school that was actually catered to, um, it was like just called the Learning Hub, and they were just catered to helping students that needed different types of things to uh, learn differently. So I, um, yeah, through them, I was able to get extra time for assessments and um, they introduced me to this program called Dragon Speak, which is actually speech to text uh, software. So it meant that during my assessments or even like just studying, I could, um, yeah, rather than like exhausting myself typing or writing, never ever writing, <laughs> never writing, um, I could, uh, yeah, like speak um, and yeah, use my voice um, that way just to try and maintain my energy and everything. However, during VCE, 
I found it incredibly difficult to get the supports I needed. I personally found that, yeah, the structure was really rigid um, and you had to collate just so much evidence to prove that you were disabled and prove why you needed these supports. And, yeah, I definitely felt like the system was really stacked against me. And, yeah, I had to um, actually go through all these assessments with, like, OTs and physios that, like, out of my control, they were appointed for me just to kind of prove, like, the supports I needed. And I was actually told before one of these assessments, I was told that it was going to be really hard for me to get what I was used to having, you know, throughout my whole high school and career. So they suggested that before this physical assessment, I go for a really long walk to tire myself out so that I could kind of make my disability look, I suppose, worse than what it is just to get the support that I need regardless. Um, yeah, and I found it, I found it uh, a really... Uh, difficult experience and quite upsetting so hence that experience I was yeah I called uh, quite a few or any more quite a few universities just to see what the process was like because I really did not want to endure that again um because I found it very invalidating and yeah when I called Deacon I was yeah I got great feedback and in my first year I went to what we have, which is the Disability Resource Centre or the DRC, where students with disabilities and even um, mental health can go and get what's called a learning access plan or a LAP, um, which, you know, they can implement um, throughout their whole university career if need be to try and get the support sorry to to get the supports that they need and yeah it just it was all written up in this plan and it got sent to all my tutors or teachers for um, anyone who doesn't go to university yet they're basically the same thing and yeah um, a lot of teachers would email me back and say hey we received your access plan let us know if you need anything and yeah I found it really supportive and now I definitely feel like I have the supports in place to really thrive and actually work to my capacity and, you know, thrive at university rather than having to kind of just perform kind of averagely because I'm trying to maintain my strength while not working with supports that help me. I'm now working with supports that yeah, really helped me to strive and perform at my optimal capacity. So, yeah, I'm really, really grateful for that. And I, But at the same time, I also think that it should just be the norm for all educational institutions that this should be as easy and as um, positive as the experiences I have had at Deakin across the board because it's, yeah, it's just a fundamental right that we all deserve. I'm really, really happy that... Deacon, yeah, could provide that. Um, Maddie, just on that, I was just wondering if you could touch on how, obviously, we're coming from your high school and how that experience with the with everything and how all that happened, and you know, doctors and trying to get that resource, trying to get them resources, and then how coming to Deacon and how easy it was 
how did that make you feel obviously from a high school high school you point of view and then like the stress that had been lifted off your shoulders i suppose coming into deacon and realizing that oh it's not going to be a a long drawn out process it's it's here now and yeah yeah zach um it made me feel really validated and really seen I, I did I found my high school experience actually to be uh quite damaging in some ways to um my confidence and also in a way to to my worth because I you know felt like I really had to to prove that like I needed to be there I needed these supports to be there but at Deakin it was I was just fully accepted and just, yeah, my supports and what I needed were fully acknowledged and implemented immediately. And, yeah, it was honestly quite liberating, actually. And, yeah, just made me feel, yeah, just really, really good and also really hopeful, really hopeful that, like, that was going to be how my future was going to look. It was going to look like me saying, okay, I need these things to best support me. And then the other, you know, people around me being like, of course. So it made me feel really hopeful as well. Yeah. What were some of the resources that were on offer to you, I suppose? What were some of the things that Deacon came to you and were like, okay, this is what we can provide for you. Like, what do you need? Um, so one of the really cool things that was offered to me, which I um, declined because I didn't think that I needed it at the time, but it's really cool knowing that it's, it's an option, is a scribe, right? And, you know, they can actually appoint usually a student, sometimes a staff member, but usually a student to actually um, come into the classes with you and take notes for you on um, what the tutors are saying and whatnot. So you don't have to exhaust yourself with taking notes. And, you know, they, they had the options like the scribe can sit with you or if you would rather, you know, that like that's not disclosed, the scribe can sit away from you and then just share the notes with you later. And, yeah, I thought that that was just a really cool initiative. They also offered, although this is kind of um, standard practice during COVID, but they offered to, to ask any tutors if there was the option for the classes to be recorded. So then that way you could listen back rather than having to try your best to take all the notes during the class and then, you know, miss some and then like you can't go back or whatever until you have to try and remember and whatnot. So I thought that, yeah, that was really cool. And I'm sure that there were so many others out there that I probably can't remember off the top of my head, but they were the two that I just thought were really really cool and I think could be really really helpful and yeah they've got heaps of other supports for you know people with hearing issues or sight issues they've got a a whole range of options which I yeah think are really really cool so yeah there's definitely a lot of uh, resources and supports out there um, here at Deakin. Zach for yourself I know you're living on res now but coming from such a small town and then going to quite a large university. As a regional or rural remote student, how did you find that? What kind of supports did you find that you needed? Living on res, I know that can be quite all-inclusive. Did that cover what you needed as a student coming to university for the first time? Um, I definitely think the move was quite daunting, 
we come down here a couple of weeks beforehand, myself and my family, to suss out some football clubs, believe it or not, and to have a look at my little sister's schooling and different schools that were down here as she's recently moved down here for boarding. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, how am I going to, one, find my way around Rez and two, find my way around Geelong in particular, having that I suppose, country mind, like I know where everything is in Echuca, Moama. I know, you know, I know the streets, I know the roads. I've lived there for, you know, almost my whole life. So some of the support that was offered was campus tours. Having the the option to have a a campus tour run by other students, the RLs are the ones that facilitate it. So I'll give you a tour of all the different buildings, the different rooms that you might need, and it's all based on your course. Another option that I found really helpful moving from a small town and navigating my way through Geelong in particular was a a tour that I personally didn't run myself this year, but there were other RLs that did run it where they got a busload together and a busload of students, whoever applied for it, and took them down down through Warren Ponds, showed them where the closest shopping centre is, showing where showing them where they can get supplies, and then further on moving down into um, Geelong and the main roads that you'll take, um, I believe that they come down to the waterfront campus and kind of showed them how to access and you know the way around Geelong which eventually you do learn and you do pick up just by driving around and so on and so forth but I found that them two resources especially moving from a country town to what I perceived as a city I found that it helped yeah definitely my confidence in showing up to classes knowing that I knew where I was going I knew where I had to be and I, I had the information that I needed at my disposal. I have a question for you, Zach, actually. I wanted to know more about how or whether this transition from regional rural to more city life has made you more aware of, you know, like like diversity and accessibility. I mean, also kind of um, how you, how the RL role is also, you know, informed that perspective. So obviously coming from a quite a country town, it was, you know, it wasn't often that you would see someone with like yourself, cerebral palsy or uh, we didn't come, it wasn't a common experience for myself. Um, so to come down to Geelong and to see, obviously meet you and another RL this year, Erin, and talk to you guys and learn about your experiences has been such a mind-opening experience for myself and realizing about you know everything that you've gone through and your history with with cerebral palsy um yeah it just opened my opened my mind especially to the world and that you know it's not only my own little bubble um touching on the rl stuff as you mentioned i think that anyone that wants to come to deacon that may feel limited or feel like they might struggle especially on res i do highly recommend res you will meet lots and lots and lots of amazing people and there's so many people that are there to support you and help you including the rls so this year we have 55 rls 
in our team spread across the waterfront campus and the Warren Ponds campus. And we're basically, we're trained to help you offer support. We're trained to be there for you. And we have that connection with campus life and with Deakin that if you do need something or you do need help or you are looking for support, that we can offer that offer that support for you and we can get that that information that you might be looking for. And we're, we're told that if we don't know the answer to something, to go and find it and be another form of support for yourself to help reach out and gain these connections. Obviously, not everyone is as confident as you, Maddie, and can call up and you know, sort themselves out. Um, but just use your support systems and use the support that's on offer because there is so much and it will make your uni experience so much more enjoyable. I'll just quickly add on to, to Zach. I think that res is a really amazing transition for people who are coming to tertiary study for the first time. Like Zach has been saying, there are such a wide range of supports there, you know, that you can access so easily when you're on res that I personally would think would be a little bit more difficult to access if you weren't on res. And like Zach was saying, I was um, actually also an RL last year at Warm Ponds. Yeah, the RLs go through like a really in-depth disability confidence and awareness training. So, you know, they are equipped with the knowledge and the resources to best support you and also to refer you to other supports that might be outside their expertise or um, their capabilities. And yeah, I'm sure that Zach would agree with me here, but I think especially for myself and Zach living in regional Victoria originally, there is quite a, uh, I guess, sport community focus which is, I think, um, amazing. I think that sport is a really good way to make connections and, yeah, make friends and build, you know, teamwork and all those amazing skills. Um, but if you are someone, you know, who has had, um, who has a disability and for whatever reason um, because of that can't participate in sport, like myself, my sport of choice was lawn bowls <laughs> uh, rather than anything too, uh, too crazy physical. Um, I think that, you know, res is a really great place to start because there are so, so many activities and groups and clubs and initiatives out there on res that are not sport focused at all. There are still some amazing sport focused things for those 40 people out there like you, Zach. Um, but for those who aren't, there are, yeah, a number of amazing other things, you know, to do with arts and people and connection and craft and baking, just all of it. Um, so I think that Res, you know, is a is a really, really good place to start. And Deacon as a whole has a lot of great um, opportunities out there for anyone and everyone. I find Deakin as a whole, Res University, just the whole institution, to be a really inclusive and accessibility-minded community. Yeah. So it definitely sounds like living on Res eased that transition into university life for you both. I do want to ask, and Zach, touched on it there but Maddie having that confidence at such a young age to reach out to the university and I would say 
advocate for yourself and say to the university, these are my needs, what can you do for me, is quite, as as you said, comes from a place of confidence, though I'm, I'm aware it probably also came from a place of not wanting to let what happened happen again. Also, Zach, I would say there's a confidence in in seeing that campus tour on offer and actually engaging with it. My question for you both is, what would you say to a student who is feeling uncertain in how to either put their needs forward or put themselves out there? What advice would you give them and how they can overcome that barrier? Um, so I think that just being involved in res as a whole so especially as a first year coming on the first events that are offered throughout the o week for first years it's a daunting process especially if you don't know anybody or you don't have that support but that is also what your rls are there for they are there to almost be a gateway into these events and we turn up to 100%, if not 95% of the events that are held within the first week for your first years. So we know who you are. We know your faces. We're there to kind of facilitate the events, but also to bring you guys in, get you guys more involved. So in doing so, all I would ask is as a second year and as an RL is to just get involved. I know it's such a daunting process, especially coming out of your room when you don't feel like it but having that confidence to just show up to a dinner and you might meet two people all of a sudden you've got two people that you can show up to other events with and then you know you go to a a lunch you go to a barbecue you meet more people all of a sudden your friend group is five people you know and you just keep on showing up and showing up and you meet more people and all of a sudden you're you know the whole of res and i don't know that would probably be my biggest piece of advice i found myself especially probably the middle of last year i was in parks college which is the studio apartments i find found myself getting quite stuck especially in like assessment time and not almost coming out of my room because i was so assessment focused and so driven and that probably did not help me myself at all especially throughout the middle of the year i was you know, staying in my room from when I woke up to six o'clock at night and all of a sudden I was realizing, oh my God, I haven't seen anyone today. I should probably go and socialize and showing up to, you know, wherever my friends may have been at the time at six o'clock and they've been hanging out all day. Uh, Yeah, it definitely didn't help, but obviously study is a vital point of university, but it's also the lifelong connections that you make as well. And like at the end of the day, like you're still there to have fun and you're still there to be a part of the, of the Deakin community. So, yeah. Um, I'll just start by, you know, fully recognizing that confidence and self-advocacy can be really challenging sometimes. Um, and I can assure you that even the most confident person, you know, has days where they completely doubt themselves and doubt what they're doing and have no idea and are just very lost. Um, So I know that it can be really challenging. I think from a a self-advocacy standpoint, um, I think that it's really important, you know, to recognise that it is a fundamental right for you to be comfortable and to be having fun and 
enjoying yourself and getting the supports that you need. You know, if you don't feel like marching up to the DRC and having a conversation with one of the staff there, you know, there is the option to email them or call them. And even if, you know, we kind of look more at just like a university experience perspective, like Zach was saying, like, you know, getting along some of the great events that are on offer, you know, there are like a wide range of different events, both on res and off res that are very diverse. You know, not all of them are going to have like 200 people rocking up at the footy oval to to watch RL versus residents footy game or something amazing like that. You know, there are going to be more chill, quiet events um, that you can start off going to first kind of to build up that confidence. Um, I think that Deacon has um, a really good, like, yeah, just really good stepping stone in place for you to slowly and gradually build those skills and that self-advocacy that, you know, you can then take with you into the big wide world and beyond. I think what I'm hearing from you, Zach, is sometimes the initial contact is potentially going to be the hardest to make and from there it's potentially never going to be as uncomfortable as it was that first time and knowing those connections that you make are potentially worth that initial discomfort and I guess Maddie what I'm taking from you is that no two days are going to be the same and there are options to take it at your own pace I mean, if you're not feeling up to the phone call today, you can email or energy at events. There are multiple ones to suit what you might be able to give on a certain day. I guess do what you can do on particular days and there are options. Maddie, you mentioned before things that were standard practice during COVID. In your opinion, is there anything that you saw from that time that you think should be incorporated as business as usual? Um, I think there was actually uh, a number of things that happened during COVID that came about because of COVID um, that were actually really beneficial from an accessibility standpoint. I think first and foremost being this kind of widespread use of technology. I think that technology is incredibly accessible and I think you know it's definitely more common practice now to have the option for people to join in to classes meetings work whatever it is via zoom or another kind of online platform that is great for people that have yeah chronic illnesses or episodic illnesses I know that at uh, my high school actually Um, because I did year 12 in the heart of COVID. Um, So, yeah, so I did, I graduated in 2020. So that's, yeah, kind of like when COVID was full of blast. My high school actually introduced, I'm pretty sure they were called like mental wellbeing days. And literally they would just give us the whole day off. You know, they would just pick a random day and we would have the whole day off from classes. And, you know, we could take that day for whatever we needed, whether it be to fully decompress and work on ourselves, whether it was to catch up on studying, because obviously studying online, um, that transition was 
initially quite difficult. I personally found it easy to like fall behind and everything like that because I was still trying to learn how to go about this, um, this new way of studying. So I, I really, really like that. I think, you know, that that should kind of actually be common practice going forward for a lot of institutions and yeah I think that definitely having the the option for accessing extensions to not be as rigid was really beneficial for um, the disabled community I know here at Deakin because of my learning access plan I have very little issues um, getting an extension which I really appreciate um, because it saves me having to, every time I need an extension, kind of justify why because nine times out of ten it's because of my chronic illness. So I had to describe, you know, to describe all that every time is just very exhausting. So, yeah, I really, really like that that's just kind of common practice and very easy to to access and yeah and I think definitely also like the working and also studying from home options that came about during COVID um, are actually really accessible. I actually found that during COVID my physical energy levels kind of lifted up a little bit because I wasn't spending all that time traveling to and from school and also like walking to and from classes with all my heavy books and stuff because everything was just at my little desk in my study at home. And yeah, I, I really, really liked that. Um, so as devastating as COVID was, I think that there were some things that were put in place during COVID times that were actually really beneficial, um, particularly from an accessibility standpoint. And I think that it's really cool that some of them are still continuing today. And I think, you know, like implementing them on a more uh, regular basis would actually amazing yeah uh just to touch on what you spoke about maddie sorry about getting an extension i recently had a conversation with a friend and he was telling me about how last year he'd applied for extensions when certain family incidences had come up and he found it really difficult and often they got rejected um whereas this year i think he applied for an extension recently and it was just almost like, hey, that's fair enough. We understand he you, he gave them parameters on a, on a date that he would be able to have them done by. And they were like, perfect, have it done by 8 o'clock on this specific day and go hell for leather. So I think that, yeah, definitely not emphasising the explanation of why you need an extension because it might not be just because of a physical disability. It might be because of, you know, something that you're personally going through at the time and whether that be mental health issues or something, you know, completely different, having that, I guess, acceptance to reach out and not feel like you're going to be judged or you're not going to feel like you're going to be rejected especially i felt last year i there was probably a couple of situations where i needed an extension and i didn't reach out because i didn't want to be i didn't really want to explain why i needed an extension and go through that whole process and ultimately result in it getting rejected or anything like that and i think that just making that process although you know some people genuinely need extensions and some people don't. 
um, and they're just not doing their not doing their schoolwork. But maybe making that process a little bit more easier to discuss or less in less inquiring about why why it hasn't been done by the due date, I think, or why it can't be done by the due date, because I, I think reaching out and kind of saying, hey, look, this is what's going on, might be dawning, especially for a for a first, a first year and a second year, being myself that's not really used to applying for extensions or anything like that. I, yeah, I agree. Well, look, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to you both for joining me today and sharing your opinions and experiences so generously. It has been a pleasure talking to you both for this podcast episode. Yeah, thanks so much. It's uh, really great to be here. I'm really happy I got to do this with Zach. I think that he's a really beautiful person um, with a lot of great perspectives. And I, <laughs> I'm, yeah, really, really happy that he made it down here today and we got to have such a, a um, such a good, important conversation. So thanks so much. Yeah, I agree. I, one, I love Maddie's company. She's amazing. She's such an adorable person. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having us. And I feel like this whole experience has definitely opened my eyes even further to some of the support systems and networks that Deacon have to offer for anyone that might be going through any challenges. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, once again, thank you to Maddie and Zach. If you would like to hear more from some of our other colleagues, students and community partners, you can browse our previous recordings of the Respect Belong Thrive podcast. I do want to mention this episode was sponsored by the Community Bank at Deakin University. This is a partnership between Bendigo Bank, Adelaide Bank and Deakin, which provides grants for community projects, events and initiatives. To find out more, you can click the link in our show notes. Finally, if you found any of the content of this podcast episode distressing, we've listed some supports in the show notes below and would encourage you to reach out to them where needed. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.